Hi, and welcome to Dietless Living 360 Degrees, Overcoming Weight Loss Obstacles with me, your host, Katie Gordon. As a dietless living expert and weight loss coach, I help my clients to overcome their weight loss obstacles so they can lose weight their way and lose weight for life. Because it's the challenges and obstacles that we face that have the biggest impact on our health and our weight. Because when the pressure's on, when we're under stress, or when we're just plain old flat out busy, that's when all our health habits fly out the window. Because it's how we deal with our emotional responses in those times that has the greatest impact on our health, weight and happiness. And How to Overcome Weight Loss Obstacles provides a framework that you need to build your personal health leadership skills so that you can have cognitive control through those challenging times and not only maintain your healthy habits but build on them. And with that in mind, I bring in special guests to talk about their greatest obstacles and challenges and uh, how it's affected their health their weight and their happiness and how they actually picked themselves up and got themselves back on track and the lessons that they learned along the way. And today we have the wonderful Debbie Bryan who's come onto the show. So welcome to the show, Debbie. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. It's so great. And you're sitting in France at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I'm sitting here in France. Um, I'm very lucky that we have a a house here in France so just come over this week the weather is fantastic and just trying to have a little bit of relaxation. Nice because it's so important to have some relaxation and Debbie you have a great story to tell of a life-threatening situation which is such Mm -hmm. a perfect fit for this podcast but before we launch into all of that Uh, If it's all right with you, I'd really like to take a look at life before the accident, sort of so that we can set the scene a little bit for the story. Because sometimes when, you know, the stories begin to unfold naturally, it just makes them more compelling. And um, I think there's so many elements because I've heard your story and that's why you're on the show but I think there's some elements that I'd like to, if it's okay with you, to yeah, sure. before we get into that. So maybe, you know, because some of the things that we have in our life, especially around big events, we tell the story quite a few times, especially to ourselves, but we've certainly mm-hmm. um, share it with a lot of people. And I know you share it with a lot of people because that's how you help people to move themselves forward out of the quagmires that they get stuck into. So Debbie, can you just sort of take us back a little bit and um, actually just tell me how long ago it was that the accident occurred and what was happening in your life prior to that life-changing moment what were you doing and in how you were you living in your life so it was just over 11 years ago that I had an accident and at that time I had a hair salon in in a gym quite high-end gym so I'd just taken over the hair salon myself my business partner I decided that she wanted to do something else. So I just relaunched it. I've renamed it. I redecorated it. Um, so it's my own salon. It's like a lifetime dream, really, to have your own salon from when I started hairdressing at 14 as a Saturday girl. Um, and it was in the gym. So, you know, everybody was either running a class, going to a class, or skyping from a class, sitting in my salon, and pretending they were too busy to go. So 
for me, I've always really loved fitness. I love like feeling strong and I would, you know, I'd be cutting someone's hair and I would have changed into my body pump stuff before, I'd, you know, the last customer would come in and he'd go and we'd run upstairs and go and do body pump and then come back down and sweep up or I would cycle to work or, you know, it was a very active lifestyle and it was lovely, you know, it was just really lovely people. Everybody was so positive. I, I since found out that like only 27% of the nation goes to the gym, but really 90% of my world was gym people. Um, and so I was in a really, really good place. I was in, you know, that was my dream was to have the hair salon. It wasn't wildly about money. It was just about the creativity of the hairdressing, how, you know, you, some, you can come in, someone could come in having a bad day and you can change their life. Yeah. You, know, you can actually say, send them out and, 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 you know, they've got a different spin on life. They feel amazing. Um, and I just, that was one of the joys that I had. And I suppose that's kind of where that's evolved now into coaching a little bit less physical. So. That's where I was. That's um, and what a great job, right? You've got your salon in the gym, so there's no time lapse between gym and and work. Like that really does sound like a fabulous lifestyle. Mm. It, I mean, it was a fabulous lifestyle, and it's a, it, it, you know, it's like a part of the David Loin chain. So it was very much a leisure club. You know, they I could leave my salon and walk down to the changing rooms to use the toilet and pick up four or five customers along the way. It's very social, very chatty, very, yeah. it was just beautiful, you know, five stars, great ambience. So I was very lucky. And then that moment came with the accident. So how long had you had your, your salon by the time that, like you'd only just opened, had you started your salon or you'd, you'd got it going? No, we'd had the salon, so we'd had the salon for... Um, I think about three, four years at that stage. But my business partner um, at the time, she had gone through a lifestyle change and uh, she had younger children than me. And it, I wanted to grow the salon and she didn't really want to. She wanted to still be mum. So we just, um, I took over the salon as a sole owner. Yeah. Um, and then we, there. we had a competition, we had a big opening with a footballer there to, to open it and everything. So everything was like really buzzing. Um, and we'd had Christmas. Christmas was obviously very good for hairdressing. But in a gym, it's very different in that January is actually brilliant for hairdressing as well because yeah. everybody's got their New Year's resolutions that they're hitting the gym. Yeah. So they come in and you get, yeah, yeah. they come in and all have the hair chopped off. They're all changing themselves and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's a real it's still a buzzy month. January it's odd in in hairdressing for it to be like that, but yeah, still good. Um, and then I decided that we needed to buy a car from the other end of the country, and then that obviously that was the decision that changed my life. So ah, so let's go there then. So it was January, and you decided to buy a car. So walk us through what happened. So I bought a car off of eBay. We've been driving um, company cars up until then, but there was a real thing on the mileage. And I just, I don't like being controlled <laughs> to get in my car and worry about how much miles I just decided we'd go and buy a car. So I found this little convertible um, a few miles away from us, about 40 miles away, bought it. And my husband and I went to get the car. Um, we drove up in a beautiful BMW, which is a car that they'd given us. And then we bought this really a little old banger. You know, it was a cheap car, um, but it was ours and we didn't have to worry about mileage or all the other things you do when you've got a company car. Yeah. So we went and got it. And then um, I was driving the the BMW back and my husband was driving the other car. And I decided that actually it would be a nicer treat for him to go and pick children up in the nice car and I'd drive the other one. So we swapped 
Um, and we'd driven, you know, 35 miles or that sort of, and we swapped and the car was absolutely fine. I got in it and got onto the dual carriageway and the power just went out of the car. It just I was in the lane and there's just no power. Um, and it's, you know, it's seven o'clock on a, a Monday night in January. It's cold, it's dark, it's been raining. I was quite lucky. I managed to get the car over to... Um, over to the side of the road so I drifted across two lanes and I, and I got to that and so I was like okay I don't understand what's happened the car was fine maybe we've run out of petrol so I phoned my husband and to be honest all I was worried about was I had one bar left on my phone yeah. and um, that was it really. I wasn't worried about where I was on the side of the road I felt like I was in a safe place um, so my husband then went off to get some petrol from the petrol station came back parked behind me and I jumped out of the car to open the petrol cap and as I did I looked back and I was a bit annoyed with him to be honest because he parked quite far away from me and I thought what are you doing and as I looked at him a car drove into the back of his car oh. and shunted the car forward um, and I thought well that's just a little bit odd but within seconds that car carried on coming and at the time I didn't realise, but it had ripped one of the wheels out and so it was on three wheels and I was stood by my car thinking this side is dual carriageway and this side is where I think the cars go in it is this way I think it's going to the grass so I had nowhere to go I literally had nowhere to go and so I I, I just thought I'm going to die I'm going to die and there's nowhere for me to go and I know for a couple of seconds I I, I don't know maybe not seconds it felt like a long time but I, it obviously wasn't a long time I'm so um, in those moments doesn't yeah, it yeah really just straight out it just felt like now it feels like it was minutes I had all this time to, to have a conversation with myself and I just remember thinking I'm gonna die this car's gonna hit me and then I just thought no I'm not I'm not going anywhere my boys are not old enough they think they're ready and they're not ready and I'm not going and and somehow I took a couple of steps so I took those two steps um and actually the car did hit exactly where I was it cuffed me it's a funny word but it kind of brushed against me so I was still stood up after the car had hit me but I felt like I was stood on ice I felt like you know my legs just didn't want to work yeah and then as it went the back of the car went through it hit my shoulder and winded me and I ended up on all fours in the road and I could feel all the like the indicator and smashed up bits of the car and I just looked to the side and I thought oh bugger I'm gonna die I'm actually in the road on a dual carriageway so I was like, I'm gonna. Ha- I had to crawl to the side of the road because I just thought another car was going to come along, and that would be the end of it. I was like, I survived this one, and now I'm going to get hit again. So I crawled to the side of the road. What I didn't realise is that there was a van driver who'd seen what was happening and had started to slow down, and he actually stopped the traffic. And he's the person that came to the hospital the next day and said to me, "Those two steps you took saved your life." Yeah. Um, they hit my car with such a um, with such a force that instead of pushing it further into the dual carriage it flipped it and it actually went into the central reservation and his car too yeah so um but there was no blood I think I'd broken a nail I had a little cut on my hand and I just knew that I couldn't land on the leg that was it really and so what was the injury then it was broken knees or something was it yeah, it's got like a, it's got a very medical bicondylar something, yeah. um, but it done and smashed my right leg, in to the the kneecap was was smashed and then all the shin bones were were smashed. So it, the the result of that was that I had um, ended up with two plates and twenty two screws to hold my leg together. Yeah. Um, 
and permanent and permanent damage with it. But at that time, I didn't really know. And at that time, I just thought it was bruised because there wasn't lots of blood. You yeah. know, they told me I had a broken leg. I just thought, oh, wow, people get broken legs and they're off for six weeks and then they come back and that's fine. And mm-hmm. I was, to be honest, I was so, so euphoric that I wasn't dead. Yeah. Nothing else really mattered. You know, I was, I was just very much like I'm the luckiest person in the world. Which is not mad, I know, but that's how I felt. Well, and Still. that's that's the good thing, right? Because you you saw the sunny side of it. You you understood <laughs> that, that you got or whilst it wasn't a good hand to be dealt, it was certainly better than the alternative. Absolutely, absolutely. And to be honest, in the hospital, I, you know, the porters would be wheeling me around and sort of pour you, and I'm like, no, don't pour me. I'm the luckiest person. I should be down in the morgue, and I'm up here. And they, I think they just thought I was mentors. We honestly probably thought. God, what's the matter with this girl? But I, I literally was, you know, I was a survivor. I survived. So and it wasn't really, I don't know. What was the recovery was time on all of that then? So, because plates and screws and things like that, I know they're difficult. They don't always go the way they should. They don't always heal as well as they should. Um, and they're more tricky to get rehabilitated sometimes especially for walking or if they're in your knees and that sort of thing so what was the kind of recovery time on that and did you have to go through um a lot of physio and and that sort of thing so the recovery time was much much longer than I thought it was going to be um I literally my manager came into the hospital and I asked her to to put my clients on for two weeks and I know she looked at me like I was crazy and I, I would just <laughs> thought that I would lose my business. I thought I'm going to lose my business and lose yeah. my stuff because everybody else was part time. So I said two weeks and she said, Are you sure two weeks? And I was like, do you think that's too long? I literally had no idea what I, what what was coming. I had no idea. And I, do you know what? I'm kind of glad because I don't think I would have coped. I yeah. coped day by day. Yeah. Um, and so my recovery, yeah, my recovery was... It took them a week to operate because the leg was so badly swollen and they kept giving me really rubbish scenarios. They kept coming in and saying, so we're going to do this to the leg, but you won't be able to use the leg. And I would just like, I don't, I don't even know how I did it now, but I just would say, no, you know, you can't do that. I'm a hairdresser. I've got a salon. I've got children. And they come back the next day and they say, okay, we're going to do this, but you won't be able to use the knee. And so this happened for like three or four days. And then they came back with their solution and I was like, okay. So I had the operation. I went home a week later because um, my husband wasn't euphoric. He'd seen the worst case scenario, not the other scenario. And he was really struggling to cope. And they said I could go home. But I actually couldn't um, put weight on my leg until July. So it was a lot longer than two weeks. It was six months, yeah. non-weight bearing. And then when it came to July, I then had to learn to walk without a limp, had to have some strength. We went on holiday in July, took a mobility scooter with me to Egypt, which all the waiters stole. Um, but I couldn't walk at any distance. I didn't really have any strength in the knee um, for balance. So what, and like even now. Sorry to interrupt. What did you do between... The, like the January and the July, was it just you just could not do any weight bearing walk? Like you were no weight bearing at all. No, you at were all. basically what happened with your salon and all of that. So um, with the salon, I 
my clients moved over to my manager and everybody else knew it was fine. Um, in the beginning, I would go into the salon and be a bit of a nuisance. They'd wash my hair, blow dry it and put me in a taxi and send me home. But then I started working on the marketing of the salon. Yeah. Um, one of my friends was amazing. She was waiting to go into her own salon, been working from home. And she took all of her clients into my salon and just oversaw like the staff. So there was someone there to help and someone to answer any questions and then I was then eventually after about three months I'd go in on the days that she was there and I started answering the phone like you know everyone says you need a receptionist and most hairdressers will pay for a receptionist but it made a huge difference me being on the phone being able to have the time to chat being able to have the time to say hey you're not due for your colour and they go oh yeah but I didn't think you fit me in so I realised the the age-old saying of like you know you should be working on your business and not in your business is a harsh lesson to learn and I wouldn't advocate for anyone to go and smash their legs up to do it but it's true you know that's how I got into the marketing that's how I got into promoting the salon I had a blog hairdresser with a broken leg and then another hairdresser from London contacted me and she said oh I'm a hairdresser with a broken leg too um and so I just promoted the business and really really went into the market I didn't go back to hairdressing until September and um then I just I took a few clients back a lot of them stayed with the with the other girls which was absolutely great but I was wearing a metal brace on my leg so yeah. I wore a metal brace for about three years and my leg would swell so much. It looked like a mushroom over the top of the straps. Is that so because could... it just wasn't healing properly or was there other damage in there? Because of the damage. It was yeah. just because of the damage. So it healed fairly, you know, they were they were happy with it and they're really happy with it now. But it was so painful, you know, I, to, to just... And that's, I suppose, I hid this for a long time from a lot of people. So I would work nine till three on a Saturday and I'd go home and crawl up the stairs and go to bed and just elevate my leg and not get back out of bed until seven, eight o'clock in the evening because I'd be trying to get the swelling down or it'd be so so much discomfort. I mean, all the time I was on crutches, I couldn't even go up the stairs. I went up the stairs for six months on my bum because the first time I tried to go up the stairs, I fell down. Yeah. And I, I fell back onto the neck that was damaged. And so I never got that confidence to go back up. Even yeah, even at Wembley, I ended up having an argument with, uh, with somebody at Wembley to say, look, I can't go up the stairs. And she, and she, you know, I, I wrote to the CEO of um, Wembley. I wrote to every director when I was traveling up there um, saying I need a ticket for, for somewhere else. And I managed to get hold of a guy. He's like, how did you get hold of my email address? Because uh, it was on the internet and he managed to get the tickets for me. But it's a it's a real eye opener for, you know, I'm lucky that the, my disability isn't something that's, that's stopped me forever, yeah. but it could have done. And so it's a real, it's a real eye opener of just how difficult it is for people, yeah. how difficult it is for people to do public stuff. So, um and eventually I carried on hairdressing. It was always painful. Yeah. I could go to weddings and dance and we'd have to be in bed for two, three days after that. I kind of was like, oh, it's worth it for the for the hit. But eventually yeah. I went to see the specialist and they said, if I carried on with what I was doing, I'd be in a wheelchair at 55. Wow, that's not good news. No, that was not good news at all. But I was just like, no, it's not going to happen to me. So I carried on hairdressing for another year after that. Then my body started to really fight with me. I ended up with a bad back, which I'd never had, um, and different things. And I just thought, I have to change. I have to change some stuff. Otherwise, I'm going to be in that wheelchair. So I've had 10 years of 
knowing at 55, which I'm now, yeah. that that's that's the prognosis is that you're yeah. going to get worse and then be in the wheelchair. So. So what were the other knock-on effects to your health from having had the accident, not being out, obviously you weren't being able to go do your gym and all your exercise and you obviously spent uh, a bit of time in recuperation, but then, you know, you had, uh, what, five months or something from blessing where you couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, and then I imagine you didn't just get up and you'd be skippy <laughs> and dance around, mm-hmm. so... What was the actual, because you said it about your husband, right? He didn't see the first alternative of what you saw, which made you kind of happy and go, hey, I'm a survivor. This is good. This is the good outcome. But Mm -hmm. so your husband didn't see that. So he was obviously very stressed. You said that earlier. And, you know, there would have been financial stress that go with it all, emotional stress, just the whole kit and caboodle because it's a shock and it's incapacitating. There's a lot of changes. So how did that all really, what was the knock-on effect in your health and between you and your your husband and your kids? So the knock-on effect was that I... I had this beautiful salon, it was only small, in a in a place that I didn't fit in anymore. I didn't fit into the gym and there was the long term was that I wasn't ever really gonna fit into the gym. I've never really more than twice been back to body pub even now. Yeah. And that was one of the, the passions I had is that I just didn't fit in anymore and I felt like I just wasn't part of that world. Yeah. My husband was angry. He was angry at the guy that hit me. He was angry at the situation. He was angry that he didn't stop it. Like all sorts of anger. And then my children have obviously nearly seen their mum die. So in terms of, of how difficult it was horrendously difficult. It was I was so fearful to get back in a car or even to cross the road. Yeah. Because I knew that if it happened again, I had literally nothing left. I had no reserves left. I did. I used every single bit of like strength, determination, madness to to just get through. Um, I was quite stoic with the physio. So if she said to me, bend your leg all weekend, then I would bend my leg all weekend. I was so determined that if I just did as I was told, which I don't ever, ever do, I would so much like if I just do what she tells me to do, then I'll get back to where I want to be and I'll get back to normal. And I always thought that normal was an option for me, that I, you know, that I just had to just follow the instructions and and do exactly what they said. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of arguments. I wasn't a good patient. I was, a, you know, I was a terrible patient. I was a mum, I had three children, I had a job, so used to doing everything. And so when they didn't second guess me, I was like, chuck the potatoes across the room rather than ask somebody to to get them or get them out of the cupboard and and they'd be like what are you doing or um you know when you're trying to cook so I had a stool I could sit in the kitchen and I could do stuff but you can't lift anything when you're on crutches you can't lift a pan or yeah, they're, they're, they take up all your so hands you, right yeah because you can't and like you don't even think about that so I would sit on my stool and, and make the dinner but then when it comes to checking it and stuff and so it was really frustrating one of the things I did in the first days was I went out every single day um, and sometimes only for a little while I would go and use the little scooters in the supermarket or something like that yeah and you know just to go to a doctor it was exhausting it was exhausting yeah. it had to be it had to be elevated um I imagine that that really does suck your energy, right? Apart from the fact that your body's sending a lot of your energy through to healing, trying to heal, because plates and screws and things take a tremendous amount of healing. Oh, huge. I was on a lot of painkillers as well. 
Um, I was taking a lot of painkillers. Yes. A lot. You know, I was taking tramadol plus paracetamol plus ibuprofen. So that doesn't help your energy either. No. Because you're exhausted. You know, my leg was the, was triple the size that it should have been. So yeah. to even just manage, you know, just to get, even to do stupid stuff, like go to the toilet, yeah. it may be taking 10 minutes to get up the stairs. So yeah. then you'd go up and think, it's worth me coming back down. We didn't have a downstairs toilet then. We had three upstairs, but we didn't have one downstairs. Yeah. Um, so even stuff like that, I, I can remember a friend visiting me at like 10.30 at night and I'd been waiting for my husband to come in so I could go to the toilet and I didn't want to talk to him because I knew if I went up to the toilet, I wasn't going to come back down again. It was 10.30. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's loads of stuff, you know, like clothes, shoes, um taxis you know my husband went back to work I would get a taxi to take me to uh, and I didn't think to tell him that I was on crutches and sent a minibus I couldn't get in the minibus yeah. to send the taxi away or the taxi drivers that you all got a massive laptop bag on and your crutches and your handbag and they don't get out of the car to help you and it's all swinging around and your balance is gone um, yeah. and you're going and to very lucky. Me, right <laughs> yeah. and then you've got to try and get that back to the other end into the gym I was probably really lucky I was uh, I was quite determined I was able to swim quite early or walk in the water because oh, the was a part of David Lloyd and yeah. um, um so I could go to David Lloyd but I had to crawl in and out of the the pool you know to get yeah. in and to get out unless poolside on crutches is quite frightening to be honest because it's wet it's so, a bit of a slip zone isn't yeah. it <laughs> and crutches are not known for their stability to be honest no, so, and, and like I had to have that that stability but yeah um I tried everything I tried everything I could do to be as physical as I possibly could yeah. I you know I did the walking in the water I did the exercises I I did everything so to then get a diagnosis to be told that actually you're still going to be in a wheelchair I mean I wore out my left knee I put so much pressure on my left yeah. knee yeah I because that down. you've got to compensate right and that's the thing yeah. So that became bone-on-bone bone cartilage. And so then I now have a partial knee replacement. I'm, like, too young to have a knee replacement. It's the only thing I'm too young for, I think. But I pushed for it because I couldn't I couldn't walk without pain yeah. at all, you know. So I have more pain in the left knee than I did in the right knee in the end. And how are uh, your knees now? So um, they're fairly good. They're fairly strong now. Um, I did. So after I had the, the knee replacement, I... One day just got out of bed and walked to the bathroom and I was so excited that I could walk, that I could just walk with no pain. I remember thinking, I'm walking. Oh, my God, I'm just walking. It was just easy and it never been easy. <laughs> Such a miracle. The, the, the simplest thing, like, right? The joy, I swear to God, I can even feel it now. I was just like, I am walking. And I don't have to hold on to anything. I have to hold on to the wall or onto the drawers or anything yeah. I could just walk from my bed to the bathroom and I was super excited so then obviously I signed up for the moonwalk for a 26 mile walk because I thought I'm walking I need to keep doing this walking yeah. and I need to get stronger and I need to get fitter so let's have a challenge um that was quite scary to be honest because I, I did it but I always thought that I was going to be stretched off I was I was the person on the news that we would see being carried off but we did that and then I stopped again a little bit, not doing so much of the exercise. Yeah. And then, um, and then I signed up for for this bike ride. So I think in my head the fifty five thing was bigger than I realised. 
Um, yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat this 55. I'm not not going to be in a wheelchair. I'm no longer hairdressing. I stopped the hairdressing. I moved on to other businesses. I yeah. tried to go back to some of the gym classes, like body pump and, and stuff like that. But I can't get up and down off the floor very easily. Yeah. So when it comes to like the quick transitions and stuff, you know, doing press-ups against the wall, and I yeah. just can't be bothered with that. I just... I don't want to be the exception in the room. Yeah. So let's talk about the bike ride that you're going on. How far is that and where is it? Because it's quite an impressive distance because you're not a cyclist, are you? No, I'm not a cyclist. And I'd actually only been to a couple of spin classes before before the accident. It's terrified me. I looked at spin like for four years and just thought, I'm not going in that room. They look like they're dying in there. Um, <laughs> That's what and I then... to. <laughs> I'm sure they're enjoying themselves immensely, but they don't look at it. They don't look like they're enjoying themselves one bit. In fact, it's only one day I'd had a really bad day and had an argument with someone and I thought, I'm going to go to the the gym and I'll go on the first class that's there. And it was a spin class and that's the only time I got in because I'm super angry about nothing really now when I think about it. But that's what what it took to get me into that room was uh, to have like the same day. So... um, so after I did the moonwalk, I carried on doing little bits. And then I hadn't ridden a bike for a long time, until about five years ago, not ridden a bike since before. And I used to ride to work and back. And, and I just thought, I wonder. And my and my, my surgeon is a an absolute lover of cycling. He thinks that's the best thing for knees. Yeah. But I wonder, so I went and got my son's bike. Uh, my son's 28 this week so you know it's not a little bike but when I got his bike and I wheeled it over the road and there's a path there down the side of the school when was this and uh, this is about five years ago All and right. I just got on the bike and just cycled to the end of the road and I was like you know you know when you first get your little wheels off stabilizers yeah, yeah. I was like that I was super super wobbly and then but I just remembered that joy that when you're a kid you just ride a bike for the sake of riding it just to ride around yeah. and that kind of that came back, that kind of that feeling of freedom, because obviously I can cycle better than I can walk. Yeah. Realistically, I can cycle further. So I started. You're now going, going for a bike ride, though, a long bike ride. Yeah. To... So on that, you know, to get back on my bike like five years ago and just pedal down the path. I now signed up for a bike ride around India. It's 360 yeah. kilometers in five days. Um, it's hot. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, India. So that's in November this year. So I'm currently training for that. Excellent. And Ish. how's the training going? Um, well, I'm in France now with no bike, so that's not good. But the training's good. We've got up to um, 50 miles, so we can do a 50 mile bike ride in a the, day. This, uh, in a day, yeah. So we do 50 miles, 45 miles, or 50 miles. Um, the training takes a lot more time than I anticipated, actually. But I've got the strength now to be able to. I mean, when we first put the schedule together and we were doing like 10 miles, 15 miles, when I looked at the 50, I thought, oh my God, that's never going to happen. So I'm really happy with myself that I've pushed 50 through. 50 miles, and, that's nearly 100k yeah. in a day. Yeah. So, and our longest day when we're in India is 96k. Yeah. That's our longest day. So I'm. Is it with a group just... or is it just yourself? Are you doing it like as a no, charity ride or? Um, it's with a group. I have paid for it, but I am going to raise some money for a local radio station that helped disabled people. They want to replace all their computers that yeah. are like touch sensitive or voice sensitive. Um, so I'm going to raise the money for them. Um, in the beginning, I just wanted to do it for me because I, I, I suppose maybe I kept it quiet and didn't make a big deal about the fundraiser because I thought I couldn't do it. 
I thought, well, if I fail, I'll fail quietly and nobody really needs to know about it. Um, but I'm at the stage now that it's like eight to nine weeks. I know, but I think that's what it was. I thought, why didn't I raise the money? Because if you raise the money, it's free. I didn't yeah. want to have to pay. So How much did it pay. cost you to join, to do it? Um, it's two thousand, so it's two thousand oh. pound. You raise four thousand, then you go for free. Yeah. They give two thousand to to the company, and two thousand goes to the charity. So I could have done that, but I think I just, I think I just thought I was going to fail. I thought it's not going to happen, and I were quite one hundred percent sure. <laughs> no, I was. I have big ideas, you know. I always have big ideas and big mindset, and you know I can do it. But my physicalness, I suppose yeah. that was that was always there to go. What if halfway through? There's a lot of training that has to go into that. If you've not been a cyclist, to then go, I'm going to do what is it? 300 and how many miles? 360 kilometers. So it's about two hundred miles. Yeah, that's a lot. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of sore ass. That's a lot of sore muscles in your legs. It's a, it's a. That's the hard consecutive it's the consecutive yeah yep. so cycling five days in a row that's now the challenge the distance isn't the challenge it's getting on a saddle five days in a row yeah and know, doing the distance every day yes yeah. get asked and get sore and sore <laughs> absolutely we you are, have to harden up the tushy Yes, you do. But I have a gel saddle and you can take your saddle with you. And yeah. I've got the gel shorts and the advice is to wear two pairs of those. Yeah. And um, so you have gel saddle and the gel shorts and um, take lots of nappy cream as well. Yeah. So, um, and get in the yeah, practice. It's, right? it's, all, yeah. it's all the practice before you go. You've just got to be riding, excuse the pun, but you're going to be riding your ass off between now and Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you do. Even, you know, I do spin classes in between the rides. So we do the big ride, but the big yeah. ride, you know, that's five, six hours that you're out. Yeah. My friend that I'm training with doesn't like stopping. So we just ride. We do the yeah. 50 miles. We don't have any stops. Whereas the, it's actually you more difficult. than stop for food stop. or anything? No, we don't stop for food. We've got, we've got to build that into our training over the next two months because they do stop, but she finds it harder to get going after the stop because your legs uh-huh. go into recovery. So we, we, our next rides, we like to take snacks and stop, and then yeah. Um, but they do. I think they do that anyway. When is it? It's a company called Dream Challenges. It, they're they're really organised. This this is what they do. They do the challenges. It's not a yeah. a travel company that's doing this. It's that that's what they do. There's a bus. There's a medic. There's a doctor. Yeah. You know the stuff that worry me about India are the physical things. Like I don't know anybody who's been to India and not had Delhi Belly. I mean, yeah, how does yeah. that work on a bike? Exactly. That's just you need to- like. I lose sleep over that. Um, the mozzies, the um, so yes, you get, do you get to take your own food there, or are you going to have to try and buy the food there? To they eat? The food from where, no, they provide the food from us, so the snacks and stuff they oh, do. Okay. So, oh, you take your own as well. So, you take your own, you know, protein bars and snacks, and yeah, because if you don't have theirs, it isn't a you know, type of place where there's just a shop on the corner, you know, yeah. it's like. Yeah, you don't yeah, like it's it. Like it's territory, the unknown. It's very much. And we travel. You know, we start the first, so apart from our travel, we actually go to the Taj Mahal Festival. That's the first place we stop, not on the bikes. So yeah. we, go, we have a trip to Taj Mahal. And then the next day we go, we travel to our starting point and get fitted for the bikes. And then so they waste a lot of time, really. I'm like, we could be pedaling a little bit less each day. Um, but we are going to uh, Tiger Sanctuary. We're going to a palace. We're going yeah. to some historical village. So it's a real, it's a really nice itinerary. And it's, yeah, uh, it sounds lovely. 
is is an adventure. You do know, you have to like take your food. own pack, or will they carry all your kit for you, and all you've got to do is ride? They put it all on the bus, so you can and you can get on the bus. But the, my thing is that I don't want to ever get on the bus. So that's hey, you, you want know, to ride. Is that I don't want to get on them. Well, one of my friends went to one before she's been to Brazil, and there was a lady there called Margaret, and I don't know, she was in her 70s, or I don't know her actual age, but she was in her 70s, and she pedaled Brazil, um, and that was very, very hilly. And they'd come along and ask everybody if they want to get on the bus, and, and the, the the mantra was like, is Margaret on the bus? And they'd say no, and so they were like, we're not getting on the bus. If Margaret's still pedaling, we're still pedaling. So yeah, my literally, I, I can't be, you know, i got to be Margaret. <laughs> Yeah, my, my dad went for my dad was in his 70s and he went for a trek through Nepal and he's not a person who did any exercise really at all so for him to go for a trek off through Nepal when he came back you know how was it how'd you go and he went well there was a lady there who was a little bit older than me with iron knees he said so every day he got up and he went oh, I don't want to go bit like your Margaret she do, yeah she's walking I have to as well walking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. can't, and that, and I can't be sitting at home while the lady with the iron knees is walking <laughs> exactly. you, can't, you know somebody in their 70s can do this it just yeah. that's mind over matter right? that's pure pure yeah. mindset she done but she done it every year I don't know if she's coming on this trip but with us our thing is like yeah. you know we Margaret's not on the bus we're not on the bus and so and I know that if I if I so I met a boxer last year called Amy I can't remember her second name but I met her and she'd started boxing later in life and and one of the questions that they asked her was she's speaking was what motivates you to get out and do the hill runs in the morning yeah um and she said nothing nothing motivates me to get out and do I your hair yeah well no she just said well she said but what I do know is if I don't prepare when I get in the ring I'm a going to be embarrassed and b I'm going to get beat yeah. I literally am going to get loosened up. And so that she said that's what gets her up because if she's not prepared properly, then she's ultimately going to lose. Yeah. So there's no point in going into the fight. So yeah. I'm a bit like, that's she why that's stuck to, me She has the ability to future pace herself to, well, yeah. I can either stay in bed and not do it or I can have a really bad fight. Yeah. And her record wasn't getting on the bus. So she's actually going to get beat. She's a boxer. You know, yeah. she's going to get punched in the face if she if she doesn't yeah. get up and has the fitness to be able to run away. And that really, yeah. really stuck and resonated with me for, for lots of things, really, but especially for this one when I'm getting up in the heat at six in the morning to go and do a bike ride on a Sunday morning, which means yeah. that I haven't gone out on a Saturday night and I've missed a party or I've missed a barbecue or yeah. you know, my friends are coming home two o'clock in the morning and I'm in bed by nine o'clock because I'm getting up to do that so yeah yeah that's kind of helped me there a lot wish you so much luck with that and we will be following you when you go on that and we're sort of getting close to running out of time here so I just wanted to ask you what do you do for fun and what do you do to relax so uh, for fun really I just go and get my granddaughter I've got a three-year-old granddaughter and we have a tea party so if we fill up the the cups and we sit and have a little tea party, and Love. she loves it. And it's just water, it's just water. Um, so I do that for fun and to relax. I ride the bike actually because I find I have a really really busy mind, and when I'm cycling, I just cycle. I just you know the thoughts just come and go. I used to do it swimming, um, and I've stopped with the swimming, but I just get on my bike and ride around the streets and listen to a podcast or listen to some music, and that relaxes me. Nice one. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing everything, Debbie. We're going to add your contact details um, underneath. They're probably sitting there right now where we while we're talking. And if anyone wants to connect with you and follow your story as you ride through India, because I'm sure we'll see some of that on social media through the actual adventure, I really do look forward to seeing it. And so thanks again for coming on the show today. It has absolutely been a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for sharing so much about your life-changing event because that sort of shit happens to people every bloody day. And it's just so important to understand the impact that it has on life and how to overcome those obstacles and just say no, like you did, to the whatever the diagnoses are or the you know recommendations that we can have a voice and we can say no to doctors and we can say hey I think you can rethink game this is my life that you're Mm -hmm. talking about so like I just love that that's what you did that you told them at least three times (laughs) sorry that's a no you're gonna have to go yeah I can't believe I did it that's what I look back now I was just Oh, I just said, I was just thought that's insane. That yeah. is insane. So but I do think it's important that people do get to realise that actually they're gonna give you the worst case scenario. That doesn't have to be your future. You well, don't have to decide that it's your future. Yeah. They just because they told you that it, you know Exactly. And look, they came back to you, they came back to you eventually with a better solution. So make them work mm-hmm. hard for that because just because the one they came up with in the first place doesn't mean it's the only one. It's just the one that they're thinking they can do right there and then. So I really do thank you for sharing all of that because it is so vitally important for people to understand. They do have a voice and they do have a choice. And thank you to everybody who's watching and listening today. If you need help overcoming your challenges in your life that are impacting on your health and weight and happiness, please just send me an email. Let's get it just sorted out for you right now. And so that you can just get on and enjoy the life that you've been looking for. And please subscribe to the channel, leave us a comment and do connect with Debbie and follow her story as she cycles around India in November. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Bye.